0: Section eighty four of Curiosities of Street Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jason in Panama. Curiosities of Street Literature by Various. Division four, part nineteen. Execution of William Cogan. EXECUTION AT NEWGATE OF WILLIAM COGAN FOR THE BARBAROUS AND CRUEL MURDER OF HIS OWN WIFE The execution of William Cogan for the murder of his wife took place this Monday morning at Newgate. The circumstances under which the crime was committed will be fresh in the recollection of the public. The prisoner and his wife were in the habit of getting drunk, and while in that state quarrels took place between them. They had been to a funeral on the day the occurrence took place, and they both drank freely, and when they got home they quarreled about two o'clock in the morning he rushed into the street with his throat cut the prisoner endeavored to make it appear that his wife had first cut his throat and then destroyed herself ever since his condemnation the culprit has continued to assert his innocence and on friday last when he parted for the last time with his father and his sisters he again positively declared he was innocent the condemned man slept soundly his last night on the fatal morning the executioner, Calcraft, was admitted into the cell a few minutes before eight o'clock, and the culprit, the moment he entered, appeared to recognize him, and rose from his seat and submitted to the operation of being pinioned with the utmost composure, and just as the clock of St. Sepulchre's Church chimed the hour, the mournful procession moved towards the scaffold. The culprit was then placed under the fatal beam, and the rope was adjusted, and after the executioner had retired, he prayed most earnestly with the ordinary for a short time, and almost the last words he uttered were a prayer to God to forgive him. The drop fell almost at the same moment, and the wretched man, after one or two convulsive struggles, ceased to exist. After hanging an hour, according to the terms of the sentence, the body was cut down and placed in a shell and removed to the interior of the prison. The crowd that was assembled to witness the execution was very great. During the whole of Sunday afternoon the Old Bailey was thronged, and crowds of persons had assembled so late as twelve o'clock at night, some of whom remained until the period of the execution. The officials of the prison stated that it was one of the noisiest and most disorderly crowds they ever remember to have seen upon a similar occasion. The moment the wretched man made his appearance on the scaffold there was a general cry of Hats off! and the upturned faces of the thousands of spectators presented a most extraordinary spectacle. The culprit was twenty-six years old, and he was apparently a strong, muscular man. A COPY OF VERSES Come, all you feeling Christians, give ear, I pray, to me. It's of a dreadful tragedy, explain it, it may be. In London town it happened, as I can truly say, William Cogan, the barbarous murderer, with a razor, his wife did slay. Chorus, kind friends, now a warning take. Poor William's life is now at stake. O drink, thou cursed beverage! What acts thou prompts us to do? To make me kill my loved wife, just as a fiend would do. I once had love as other men, but on my heart a brand, entangled with loose company. Committed now, I stand, heart rending. Tis to know it, my orphans left behind that had a fondling mother who unto them was kind but now she's dead and buried gone to that rest above where all is joy and happiness blessed with that sacred love o cold and stormy was that night and fast the snow did drop when Anne was forced to fly all from her father's cot though thinly clad with her chemise on her shawl upon her swung my god my god she thus did cry as thus her hands she wrung. Exposed to wind and weather, in a passage there she stood. Her limbs were shivering with the cold, and freezing was her blood. But then she dare not enter, where her demon father lay, fearful lest, as her mother, she might become his prey. So now, kind friends, take warning. A lesson let this be unto those drunken fathers who think of naught but spree, and pray my God have mercy, and show it to him soon and prepare this wicked person to meet his awful doom. Taylor Printer, London The execution of the Warwickshire murderer, George Gardner, for shooting his sweetheart, Sarah Kirby. The condemned criminal, George Gardner, a ploughman, on Monday suffered the last penalty of the law at Warwick. The execution took place at ten o'clock before the county jail, and was performed by Smith of Dudley. The murder was a most unprovoked and cold-blooded one, by which Sarah Kirby, his fellow-servant, was shot dead while she was standing at her washing-tub on the 23rd of April last. Both she and the man-gardener were employed at a roadside farm on the confines of the county, and she was a very good-looking, well-conducted, pious girl. He was a very great blackguard and a sot. Soon after he went to the farm where the murder took place, she complained to Miss Edge, the housekeeper, that he annoyed her very much by his attentions and his attempts to kiss her. Mr. Edge, her master, hearing of this, called them both into the parlour, and told him he must not repeat his conduct to her, whereupon Gardner said, Well, if I can't have her, no one else shall. No further complaints were made after this, though there is reason to believe he continued his suit. He amused himself by looking at her as she undressed at night through a chink in the wall which separated their bedrooms. The only complaint he had against her was that she would not draw him the proper quantity of beer, but the truth was that he wanted more than his fair share. On the morning of the murder he was at work in the plough-field, his master being absent at a cattle fair, and he made remarks to the other labourers which showed him to be contemplating some act of violence, saying he wished he had someone before him, he would kill them, and so on but he appears to have left his work and returned to the house without causing any suspicion to arise in their minds that he was about to commit the crime of murder. Having reached the house, he asked this poor girl to fetch him his master's double barreled gun for shooting rooks. He had been in the habit of using it for this purpose before, and no surprise was felt by the girl or by Miss Edge, the housekeeper, who saw her hand the loaded gun to him. Miss Edge remarking, "'Mind, it is loaded, George.' He said, Yes, ma'am, I know it is, and tried it by taking off the cap and letting the hammer down. Finding it all right, he followed Kirby to the wash house and shot her in the back of the neck. He afterwards threatened Miss Edge, and there is no doubt that if she had not concealed herself, he would have shot her. He then escaped with the gun and was taken by the police on his way to Oxford. Some delay took place in the execution, and from the bad adjustment of the rope or some other cause... The criminal died very hard, struggling much, until at last he hung motionless in the air. The crowd contained a large proportion of women, but was orderly in the extreme and began to disperse as soon as the drop fell. Gardner died penitent, confessing his crime. The following confession was made by Gardner before his execution. I did not want to pay my addresses to Sarah Kirby, but she would never draw me the proper quantity of beer, and that vexed me. I did not know the master was away on the 23rd of April, and the witness who said I asked him where he was will have to suffer for his perjury. I tried my luck in the field by throwing up the spud of the plough, which came down with the point in the earth. If it had fallen flat, I should not have killed her. But as it came down point foremost, I left the field with the determination to do it. I should have killed Miss Edge if I had got near her, and it's a good job no one stopped me before I sold the gun. Verses on the execution of George Gardner for shooting Sarah Kirby. Harkness, printer, 121, Church Street, Preston. The solemn knell does most awful sound, O God in pity on me look down. Forgive my sins and compassion take, And grant me fortitude to meet my fate. O what numbers approach to see A wretched man upon the tree! My time is come, and I must be soon A prey to worms in the silent tomb when i was scarce eighteen years of age as ploughman to mr edge i did engage he unto me was both good and kind but murder entered my wicked mind she would give me beer enough for weeks when to take her life i a plan did seek i pointed the gun one fatal day and with the same took her life away when from my labor i did return to do her harm my heart did burn I took the gun right speedily, but little thinking she was to die. Though fellow servants I did not her like. That was the reason I took her life. That was the reason I did her kill. Maidens never marry against their will. My bosom heaves and borne down with woe. The grave lies opened and I must go. To sleep with death till the judgment day, when God will pardon me, I firmly pray. It was cursed Satan led me astray. It was Satan tempted me one day. It was Satan prompted my guilty mind, So slay Sarah Kirby, both good and kind. Young men and maidens, ere tis too late, O oh, take a warning by my fate, Trust in your Saviour who reigns above, And never kill whom you cannot love. It was well for me, had I never been born, To die a death of public scorn, In youth and bloom on the fatal tree, O oh, God in mercy look down on me. Petitions have in my favour been sent from Warwick Town to my gracious Queen, but alas, no mercy is there for me, and I must die on the fatal tree. Three weeks I have lain in a gloomy cell, where my dreadful sufferings no one can tell. To gain me pardon my friends have tried, but, oh, alas, it has been denied. End of section 84